Good morning, church family. On this April Lord's Day, I miss seeing you. I pray that you are well as we uh, open God's Word together. Uh, even though we can't share the space, I'm grateful for the technology that allows us to, uh, to study and, and spend this time in God's Word. Normally, on this first Sunday of the month, we would be feasting in faith at the Lord's table. How I long to go uh, to the table with you again. We look forward to that, uh, hopefully. We come again uh, together next month. So this morning we're going to feast upon God's Word from the Songbook of the Scriptures. So I invite you to turn to Psalm 103. Uh, It may even be uh, there for you on the screen. But if you have made a trip out to the mountains, or you've lived in the mountains, and I realize we have mountains here in Arkansas, but they're a little older mountains. So they're starting to settle and, and become these mounds. But if you are driving across the plains of Colorado westward, you'll get to the spot where the ground just goes like this. And then you'll go into a valley and they'll continue to climb to these 13,000, 14,000 foot peaks. And we get to Psalm 103 and 104, that is the 14,000 foot peak of the Psalms. Uh, Just this majestic mountaintop of praise from uh, King David. And David is older now. He's experienced more of life and he leads God's people in this apex of praise. So we really really cannot read this psalm without pondering anew what the Almighty has done and continues to do for us. So we're going to read the first 12 verses of Psalm 103 this morning. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will He keep His anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. Let's pray together. Lord God, as we stand on this mountaintop of praise, we adore you and lift you high with the psalmist. We thank you for these words that really put words to our praise, that put words in our mouths as we read them and, and offer them back to you. Lord, be glorified through your word and the preaching of Your Word this day. Lord, make us attentive wherever we are and listening and coming under Your Word together as a church. Lord, we submit to You. Teach us, encourage us, move our hearts, stir us to praise anew as we lift up our King together. We pray this all in His name. Amen. Children really are a joy, aren't they? I find great joy my children, when they were younger, just watching them explore the outdoors. Uh, every 
leaf, every twig, every bug was a new discovery. And even though my children are a little older now, it is still fun uh, to watch them explore the outdoors. We went for a hike last week during spring break into the Ozarks and a little change of scenery for us, good social distancing practice. And uh, it was fun to watch them scurry along the bluffs of this trail. A little nerve-wracking at times, but still uh, fun to watch them. We got to the big waterfall and, and traced the stream that fed that waterfall back into the woods. And they still enjoy uh, playing in the water. And uh, right now we have some bamboo growing near the house, and so they've been hacking down these bamboo shoots, bamboo trees really, and uh, cutting, crafting things out of bamboo. Uh, but I thank the Lord for my children every day. The joy it is to watch them learn and grow and explore. And it's just as easy for me to forget that. Uh, the great you know, blessing that uh, my children are, that the Lord has uh, entrusted to me. I can grow frustrated uh, just as easily. What are you, the greatest blessings and benefits in your life? It may be your children, maybe your family. It may be your health or a career that you had, a career that you are in right now. Relationships are your greatest blessings. I think it's a challenge for us to see at times, but each of us is in a, a unique season of life where we can either recall in the past or know now the very real and enduring benefits of walking with the Lord. And here, King David is getting older, but he recognizes these true and lasting benefits of God's mercy and provision in his life. As, a, as king in Israel, David is, is leading his people in worship and modeling for them an appreciation for God's mercy. And we read in this song that, that David does this by reminding himself over and over of God's mercy, of His love, Preaching to himself, wake up, wake up, O oh my soul. Remember what God has done. By doing this, by the very Spirit of God, he models for us what it looks like to examine our own hearts and our motives for praise. And here it's important to remember, David didn't always praise. He wasn't always praising as he ought. The adulterous David was not perfect in modeling this for God's people as a king on the earth. That's why the Psalms resonate with us. David could express his fear, his sadness, his anger, his frustration, and his thanksgiving. That's why we cling to the Psalms. Why so many of them are our favorites. They fit us. They put words to the emotions that we had yesterday, and today, and we'll have tomorrow. We can say amen with the songwriter. David's stirring his soul to praise and you can look back over all that God has done in his life. He's telling his heart, don't forget. Don't forget. God knows us so well. He knows that we are prone to wander and to forget the magnitude of His mercy. Because, I mean, if we honestly face the music here, we are not praising God with all of our being. A lot of the time. Maybe you're finding that hard in these days of uncertainty, this pandemic that is spreading around the world. Oftentimes our praise is 
diluted or it's numbed by the everyday pressures of life. Or it's numbed by the regularity of life so that our praise is sort of this calculated acknowledgement of God's grace when we're ready. So God's Word through the psalmist is intended to stir our inmost being to praise because of the benefits that are ours. It's because of His mercy. It's because of God's love that we cannot help but express our appreciation. So we're rich with His benefits toward us. We see our, our brokenness and the depths from which He has brought us. What are these benefits? How does He repair our brokenness? This passage lists several ways. I'm going to mention just four of, of them this morning. Four ways in which God's all-sufficient repair stirs our hearts to praise and thanksgiving. Uh, begins in verse 3. repairs our iniquity with forgiveness. Iniquity is just our own wickedness and violation of what God uh, tells us is right and good. But God says, I will not hold that against you. It's no longer on the table. Because when I see you, I no longer see the, the filth of, of your sin and rebellion against me. I see a beloved son or a beloved daughter who's been clothed in that purity and righteousness of Jesus. If you've made a trip to an amusement park like Disneyland or Nickelodeon Universe and you see the characters walking around, and they're smiling and they're dancing and the kids can come up to these characters, give them a high five, give them a big hug as they wave to them. That's what, that's what the kids are seeing. That's what we're seeing on the outside. But there's, you know, there's more going on underneath. That's not quite so glamorous. Uh, there's a guy or gal you know, in sweaty t-shirt and shorts wondering when they're going to take that mask off again. But we see the fun-loving character. When the Father sees us, He sees His beloved Son. And we need some cleaning up on the inside, but we've been robed in the beauty and holiness of Jesus. Secondly, God is the one who heals our diseases, the most rotten, the most invasive disease uh, that we face. It's not the coronavirus or the potential of it. It is our sin. Sin is that parasite. It latches on to what is good and, and stains and distorts it. Thinking living in Arkansas, we're quite familiar with mold and the spread of mold. You leave something out in this you know, damp, humid conditions that we have here for a season and you're going to find mold. And uh, when, when a mold spore lands on a damp spot, it multiplies and spreads so that you start to smell that earthy, uh, moldy odor and decay. In our hearts, sin can spread like mold spores when left untreated. So eventually, it's, it's known not just to ourselves, but the people around us begin to smell it. What a, what a clear picture mold is of, of sin and decay in a good creation that God has made. Creation is molding. Its beauty has been darkened and, and stained as it waits for renewal. Now, every illustration breaks down. We know that mold can actually serve some very important purposes in decaying in the renewal process. We read in Romans 8, the Apostle Paul says this, of all creation is groaning like a woman in labor 
as it waits for the final day of restoration, we groan inwardly as we wait for the restoration of our bodies. Do any of you long for that day when your body is fully restored? I know you do, and I do along with you. The Lord Jesus has crushed the head of sin. He became sin for us that we might be completely healed from all disease. That includes the healing of our bodies and the healing of our hearts. He's the firstborn from the, from the dead and our bodies are going to follow His lead when He returns. We're going to celebrate more of that next week on Resurrection Sunday. But God heals our diseases. I read that God rescues us in verse 4. and He's also crowned us with love and mercy. This is that all-sufficient, over-the-top repair of our brokenness. We really we can see it two parts of the Gospel in this verse. First, He redeems our life from the pit. That's the pit of despair and hopelessness. We are utterly lost unless He comes to our rescue. This got me thinking about these stories we hear of the miners who get trapped when these tunnels collapse. May you remember that uh, collapse in Chile a few years ago where there were 33 men who were trapped a half a mile below the surface for 66 days. Now these men weren't going to dig their way out. No matter how hard they certainly would have tried in their desperation. They were absolutely in need of a rescuer to dig in. To come and get them. Jesus dug in for you. For me. So He put on the flesh. Came to our, our rescue. That's the first part of the Gospel. Been saved from complete ruin. But it doesn't end there. We have been crowned with glory and honor. Crowned with love. Royalty wear crowns. Heirs to the throne wear crowns. We follow after Christ. We grow in the likeness of the true King. That's the second part of the Gospel. It's the power, the grace of God to continuing living a life of faith until He comes. How we must remember the crown that we wear as children of God. And in verse 5, we're reminded that only God can satisfy our deepest longings. He knows what is best for us. Sometimes we'd like to find that fountain of eternal youth. Just take a a big drink. We long for pleasure and satisfaction, happiness, the vigor maybe of our more youthful days. But death comes so quickly. David tells us that it is God's grace alone that gives us lasting strength. Power. Think of the prophet Isaiah as he reflects on these words. I'm thinking of Isaiah 40, verse 31, and that imagery of the eagle. A picture of this tireless strength soaring on the mercy of God. On the hope of eternity. So how do we praise God from the rising of the sun to its setting? We remember that He has repaired our brokenness completely. We recall the depths from which He has brought us, the newness of life that we have right now in the Lord Jesus. And I know some of you are listening. You may be thinking to yourself, well, Pastor, what do you really know of 
my brokenness? What do you know of the pain, the things that ail my body? And I do not have the experience of life. You know, do not have that behind me as so many of you do. I've not had to wrestle with some of the pains and discomforts that you have. But I live in the same broken world that you do. I must grapple with the effects of sin in my own heart and wait patiently even as I begin to feel the aging of my body. So even though I may follow many of you in years, I walk beside you in faith. It's the grace of God that repairs all our brokenness, supplies all with the strength to press on. Maybe one minute, one hour, one day at a time. So we see the all-sufficient repair that God brings. Now we look to that all-surpassing love of our Savior. Here's where David just continues to rouse our hearts with poetic words of comfort. That all-surpassing love, it has no limit. It is unbounded. We see some chief characters of this love expressed through righteousness and justice, mercy and grace. The Lord is a righteous and just judge. He hears the cries of the oppressed everywhere. He hears it all the time. And His verdict is always perfect and right. He doesn't need you know, sufficient evidence. He doesn't need a good you know, lawyer to make a decision. He knows the hearts of all men and works His plan for His glory. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon said it well, justice may leave the courts of men, but it abides upon the tribunal of God. We may not find hope in the courts of men. In fact, we may find despair and injustice. But the cry of the oppressed, it goes straight to the ears, straight to the heart of God. And He will vindicate. In His justice and righteousness, He will deliver The psalmist gives us an example in the life of Moses and the people of Israel. God comes to this wandering, murdering shepherd in the wilderness. He says, Moses, I have chosen you to lead my people. I want you to carry out my plan. God's been faithful to His covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He hears the cry of His people in slavery and He delivers them. He continues to deliver them in the wilderness. He takes them to the promised land. We're going to remember this from our time in Exodus. There were so many times when the people of Israel, they wanted no part of it. They even wanted to return to Egypt. But the grace and the love of God prevailed as He brings them to the land. Just as He continues to do with His people today. He takes us to the promised land of peace and rest in His glorious presence. The words we read in verse 8 are the same words that God speaks to Moses as He passes in front of him at Mount Sinai. Remember what Moses does? He hits the dirt in worship. It's the same God. It's the self-portrait of Yahweh that David uses to awaken us to worship. Here on Sunday mornings, or maybe in your living room with your family, we're all gathered together. We get glimpses of this worship, opportunities to worship. But how often do we really desire 
to put our faces in the dirt in amazement of the mercy and love of our God. I think sometimes, maybe more often than we care to admit, uh, we're changing the words of this psalm in our hearts. We're actually saying, Bless me, O my Lord, and all that is within you. That's the attitude of our hearts when we come in to worship. But the movement of this entire psalm, its poetry, takes the focus from us and projects it upon the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul. He is just and will deliver. God's all-surpassing love. It's demonstrated through His righteousness and justice. And then we're left just on the mountaintop of God's mercy. Verse 10, we have a clear definition of mercy. God has withheld what we clearly deserve. And if this just hasn't sunk in yet, let me offer just a brief character of our iniquity through the valley of vision. My early days discovered in me discontent, pride, envy, revenge. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor the multiplied transgressions of my latter years, my failure to improve time and talents, my abuse of mercies and means, my wasted Sabbaths, my perverted seasons of grace, my long neglect of your great salvation, my disregard of the friend of sinners. Makes it pretty clear what it is we do deserve, doesn't it? We have earned God's wrath. That is our just payment. But He has withheld it. He has withheld all that I've just read and placed it on the back of His only Son. Isaiah tells us, chapter 53, He was crushed for our iniquities and through His punishment we have peace. That peace is right now, church. It's right now. And it is yet to come. Because we will never meet the consequences of our sins. Think how great is His mercy. How great is the the height and length and depth of His love toward all those who fear Him. Family, we have assurance that our sins are remembered no more. Not because we've confessed them all. Not because we're reasonably good people. Not because we've been faithful for 20 or 50 or even 70 years. But because Jesus has paid for them. Someone had to pay And that person was our great and perfect high priest. How do you remember the all-sufficient repair, the all-surpassing love of God, the same way that we teach our children year after year that Jesus loves us this much? As far as the heavens are above the earth is the span of His humility in taking on flesh and serving us to the point of death. As far as the east is from the west, has He taken every trace of our sin and crowned us with glory and honor? Brothers and sisters, that is reason to be thankful. That is reason to bless the Lord with everything that is within us. Please pray with me. Father, we do bless Your name. Thank You for this mind-boggling mercy that You have shown to us in Jesus. Renew us by Your grace. Revive 
our worship of you on this day and each day that you give us. We know our Savior has come and that He will come again. And so we rest on this all-surpassing love of the Lord Jesus, our King of kings and Lord of lords. We pray this in His name. Amen.